Welcome to the Inside Here podcast, episode five. Today we'll be leading off with the talks, latest talks between uh, Francisco Lindor and Anthony Rizzo. We'll also be discussing the final roster decisions as we come up to opening day. And we'll finish off with our award predictions as well as our playoff predictions. And it's all coming up next on the Inside Heater Podcast. So leading off, as I said, we will be discussing the latest talks between Francisco Lindor and the New York Mets. So on Saturday night, I believe it was, Lindor and Steve Cohen, the new owner of the Mets, met up with each other for dinner, and they had some more talks about their extensions. And according to Steve Cohen's Twitter, Francisco Lindor had chicken parmesan, while Steve Cohen had ravioli that didn't taste good because of the sauce. Once a fan asked, why did the ravioli not taste good? And last night, it broke that Lindor rejected a 10-year, $325 million contracts offer from the Mets and counter-offered with a 12-year, $385 million contract. And man, you know, this is going to be one tough negotiation with Steve Cohen. Oh, yeah, man. It's got to be hard, too. I mean, imagine being in a situation in life where you can turn down $325 million. Like, I want to have those kind of problems. But... Uh, I think Lindor is going to be one of those guys where it's like 325 is going to kind of be where like, the bar was set. Because, I mean, like, what, Manny got three or uh, 300 for 10. So, like, I feel like with Lindor, I would put him in a tier just above Machado. And so I feel like, yeah, the conversation kind of had to start at 10 years, 325, to be honest with you. I don't know. What do you think about, what was you said, 12 and 45? Or, sorry, 385? Yeah, 12 and 385. Honestly. So what's that per? That's about thirty-two million per year. See, that's to me like that's not egregious for a guy like Lindor. Yeah, I don't think so either. But we do we have seen his numbers decline a little bit. But this guy is still twenty-seven year old, twenty-seven years old. He's having a killer spring training. He's finally on a team that's ready to break out. What do you think about? Yeah, uh, ten years, three hundred eighty-five mil. Twelve years, three hundred eighty-five mil. So, yeah, I think. It's a good counteroffer because then they'll slowly come down and find that sort of middle ground. He's gonna, he's on his way to become one of the best shortstops of all time. And the bar was set, like you said, with Manny Machado. But Fernando Tatis getting 14 years, 340 million, with less than a season under his belt, that definitely set the negotiation talks for Lindor contract. Obviously, Lindor is a little bit older than when Tatis' junior contract is starting. But this guy has already showed he can kill it in the big leagues. He has an owner that's going to invest in the team. So this guy, I think we're just going to start seeing like the best of Lindor right now. You know, what do you well, think? And like picture this man, he's he's been on the team for well, roughly a couple months now. And, you know, only been through one spring training, hasn't even played a regular season game with the Mets at the time of this recording. And I'd argue he's already the face of that franchise, you know, Uh you got to keep a guy around like that because I feel like if they only have him for a one-year rental, the fans are going to quickly turn on TV and uh, and definitely just not trust the new ownership. So I feel like from a franchise perspective, you have to keep a guy like Lindor to you know appease the fans and, and show that you're investing in winning. Yeah, not only that, um, 
you pretty much got Lindor for free in this trade. So you got to take advantage of that. Honestly, it's better that they got him for free on, rather than the trade away of a bunch of prize prospects. But this guy, you know, you're sending all the, you send these players to the Indians because you want to be ready to move, move on. You know, you want to be able to get a guy that's going to impact the team. You got a guy that's going to thrive in New York. This guy smiles all the time. He's going to, he's, he's not going to let New York affect him. This guy is perfectly built for New York. And he looks so good in that uniform too. But yeah, and then on top of that, he's a switch hitter. He's gonna fit perfectly in in that in the in the lineup. And I feel like twelve years at three sixty should get it done. You know, thirty million yeah, a year. I'm kind of in the same and, neighborhood as you. Yeah, it takes him up to age thirty nine and he's pretty much set for his career. He's probably gonna be set up to retire as a Met. And you know, if I'm Steve Cohen, I also put in I allow him to have no trade clauses because Lindor just wants to win. You know, he doesn't, he wants to be able to choose which teams to go to. So I feel like that's going to be compromise. So to get a less yeah, lesser salary that. that way, Lindor is not traded away just to, like, you can, you can yeah, to a team that's not going to win. And also, Steve Cohen, this guy spent a bunch of money bailing out other companies from the GameStop stock. So it would look bad if he can't re sign Lindor because he just gave away all this money to help. Other people in the GameStop fallout. Yeah, I definitely think they gotta find a way to keep him. I mean, where where else are you gonna find one of the best switch hitting shortstops in all of baseball? You know, like guys like that don't come around very often, especially a talent like Lindor. You have to capitalize it while you have it. So yeah, I definitely think they're gonna get him back. I thought originally maybe like eleven years for three fifty, like because what you say is what twenty seven now. Yeah, twenty seven. So a 12-year deal takes him to age 39, you know, and that's like, what's he going to be at age 39, especially, like, I'm sure he'll still be able to hit, but like, I don't think the power numbers are going to be the same. Defensively, he's probably not going to be the same. Uh, if you do, like, 11 years, I, I don't know. I just feel like when like, you're paying a 39-year-old thirty over $30 million, it's a bad luck from the fans' perspective. And I know a 38-year-old isn't much better, but at least, like, it's one year shorter on the deal. And I feel like that would kind of be the way the compromise comes in as well as the dollars, just because like longevity of the deal is going to impact the Mets payroll for years to come, you know? That's true. And they could also throw in some deferrals, you know, pull the old Washington Nationals where they just pay him a bunch of years after his contract's expired, per se. And by the time Lindor is reaching those, those that age where his range isn't that good, there's going to be the H in National League. If it's, it's probably going to be next year. So that's going to help. Uh, less than a blow a little bit, but I feel like the pool signing has really thrown off a lot of people from trying to give anybody that's over 25 those long-term deals, because we saw, we see how pools yeah. is panning out. <laughs> yeah, and like and you, another guy like Miguel Cabrera, too, I think we've talked about before, it's just like, you that's see like, the long-term implications of these deals, and it's like, when at the time when they sign them, it's like, okay, that makes sense, the talent's there, but then you just see the decline in talent. You know, but these guys are still getting paid over $30 million a year. Yeah, and at this point, Miguel Cabrera is just dead weight right now. Which yeah, is and then, I mean, it stops them from making any more moves, you know? You yeah. This little guy, this guy eating up a huge chunk of your payroll. Yeah. All right, so another guy that um, was in talks for extension was Anthony Rizzo in the Cubbies. And Anthony Rizzo pretty much said, hey, we're done talking. This is a tweet from PJ Mooney from The Athletic 
Rizzo says to focus completely on baseball this year. Anthony Rizzo is treating opening day like a hard deadline and not feeling optimistic about a last-minute deal with the Cubs. This is Anthony Rizzo's quote. We've had enough time to talk and try to figure it out. I told my agents to not talk to me about it anymore. This is a tough blow to the Cubs, especially the fans. The Cubs are have been giving away a lot of their players in the offseason, and they're still trying to put a good team together about the same time. They've already traded away guys like Darvish. Like They're showing that the focus seems to be in the future rather than the present, which I understand to a degree because, I mean, they haven't exactly produced like a team you would expect with that kind of talent on it. But at the same time, it does kind of feel like they're pulling the plug just a little bit early. And, I mean, if they lose a guy like Rizzo, that's going to be kind of like – it'll be bigger than when Eric Hosmer left Kansas City, right? So I think – I don't know. It's gonna be weird seeing Rizzo not in a cubby, like you know, not in the cubby pinstripes. But yeah, man, it's unfortunate to see that these guys can't get a deal going. I mean, because like you know, the Cubs have money, so there's probably oh, yeah. just a really a dollar difference between the two that's causing it. So I don't know. I guess they'll have to test their luck in free agency and see if they can get him to come back. Yeah, Rizzo is one of those guys where Rizzo has to be a Cub for the rest of his career. But this, as you can see, this is probably not going to happen whatsoever. I feel like Rizzo's on that. Same level as Brady Freeman is with the Braves in terms of importance to the club and to the city. And it's kind of unfortunate. They kind of lowballed him. They did a five-year, $70 million offer for him the second time around. And initially, the first offer was $60 million over 44 years. And that's kind of lowballing a guy that is one of the top first basemen in the game. Very good defense, defensively and offensively. And he could technically be the captain of the Cubs. You know? Yeah, I mean, look, look at what he's meant for that team. Yeah. You know what would be interesting if he goes to the Marlins? That'd be kind of nice. Yeah. In the offseason. I can see old Riz playing, uh, playing first base for Miami. See him partying up he's, with a Clevelander. Yeah, and he's up in the South. He's from South Florida, too. That's right. I think he uh, he went to Stoneman Douglas, right? Yeah, that's where he went. Yeah, okay. No, I, I feel like it's going to be a huge loss if they end up not being able to keep him. And I think that'll really kind of be... What do you think is going to come first, though? Is Brian going to get traded, or is uh, Rizzo going to walk? It depends on how the season goes. I feel... Honestly, there could be a chance where both of them are traded by the deadline. Yeah. I could, yeah, like, depending on how far they... How how far they are away from becoming a contender. Like, if they go... If they're midway through the season, and they're maybe like five games, six games out, then I feel they would have to keep them or at least trade Bryant. That way they can get some sort of value for him and try to see if they can find pieces to still keep them in the run for the playoffs by trading Bryant. But if they're completely out, Bryant and Rizzo could easily be traded. Man, that's going to be weird seeing a Cubs infield without them. And, like, to me, I, I, you have to imagine Javi Baez probably isn't far behind him, right? I think Javi will be the guy that they will resign. Um, it's going to be tough for them, though, because they're going to have to, between the Lindor, t- depending on where the Lindor talks go and with how Tatis just signed that big contract, actually, now the more I think about it, I think Javi's going to be be tough to resign for the Cubs, especially if they're trying to act like a small, small market team, which we all know they're not. They have the money. It's just the ownership isn't doing so good. The ownership just doesn't want to invest anymore. They're probably like, oh, okay, we already broke the curse. And let's just try to keep our payroll kind sort of to a minimum and try to rework it. It's tough. 
Yeah, I mean, plus guys like Jason Hayward don't really help, but um, okay. our contract, I should say, like Jason Hayward's, makes things a little tougher to do. But yeah, I agree, man. They definitely just need to be like, if they kept this core around for, so they like if they were all lifetime Cubbies, I they could probably win another ring. To be honest with you. Yeah, and if they would have kept like you, Darvish, and all them too, and yeah, man, all right, it, it, it's frustrating to see. And while we're still in the Cubbies and the latest roster service time manipulation that the Cubs have done, they sent down Nico Horner down to AAA. And this is just another example of the Cubs manipulation service time. We saw this with Chris Bryant, where they sent him down to AAA um, to, for, quote, needs to work on his defense, end quote, and then gets called up two weeks later. <laughs> All right, so we'll see Nico Horner at Wrigley Field on April 17th. Probably around there, yep. <laughs> yeah, and he had a he had a really good spring training too. He batted three sixty one with one homer and six ribbies, which he definitely should have won the job. Yeah. But if uh, gonna, that'll play. Right? That'll play. And they're gonna go with David Boat instead, who had a not that good of a spring training. Roster time manipulation man. Service time manipulation man. Sucks. It's crazy how it's like we still see it going on even after everything with uh, with the Seattle Mariners. What was he, the president or owner or something? Uh, yeah, the CEO. After CEO, yep. After all the light he shed on the situation, it's like you still see teams that are like, I, I don't know if the word's bold or just, I don't know. Yeah, I guess bold enough to still do it. You know, it's, everyone knows what's going on, but because yeah, it's not a secret. Like. Yeah, but like they can just say, "Oh, yeah, he's got some work needs to. Uh, he's got to get better at his defense. Got to get better at this. Got to get better at that." It's like, no, you just don't want to pay him, or you want extra years so you can have longer. It's like, come on. Yeah, and honestly, like with how the Cubs are trying to do their roster right now, like trading all those good guys and possibly letting Rizzo walk and Brian Brian's definitely gone. I think Brian, like, there's no resign to him. They've already damaged that relationship way too much. Oh yeah, Horner. Horner is probably not going to be. The Cubs are probably not going to be able to win for the next within the next six years or so. I don't because right now they're still technically contending. Like they have a good enough roster to contend technically, but at some point they're just going to blow up the entire thing. So by the time yeah, Horner, I mean they did win the division last year. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah, and <laughs> so yep. And then another service time manipulation was they. And since you brought up Kevin Mathers from the from Seattle Mariners, Jared Kalenic was sent down to AAA, and service time manipulation there. And he had a good spring training. He played in AA in 2019. I guess I can kind of see where they're coming from. It's like, why do we rush rush this guy's development, even though he's only played 21 games in AA? So I kind of see. It just doesn't look good because of what Kevin Mathers said that they sent down AAA, but I kind of see their point there, but it's still service time manipulation at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, these are guys, and like, especially with, I've been completely botched the last name, Clinic? Kalenic. Is that it? Kalenic. Yeah, Kalenic. Kalenic. Okay. Kalenic. Yeah, especially with like, his name spe- like specifically being mentioned by uh, the CEO of the Seattle Mariners, that, or sorry, former CEO of the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's like it makes it like even more obvious that had he signed a long term deal, he'd be playing in the big leagues by now. Yeah. 
And speaking of a long-term deal by a prospect, Scott Kingery was sent down to AAA. And the latest roster decisions Yikes. before opening day. This guy signed a six-year, $25 million contract before he even made his major debut. And it has not panned out well for the Phillies, like most of the Phillies' contracts lately. And then another contract didn't pan out. Rothnet Odor with the Rangers, two years, $27 million. He was cut from the team. They, Odor uh, is probably most memorable moment with the Rangers is punching Jose Bautista in the face. <laughs> what was your reaction yeah, to that? I, I did, I, well, at first, because like, I knew going, like, because that was pretty early on in the season, right? Like the season yeah. after the bat flip. So like, you figured those games were going to be kind of like, they're going to have a little bit more tension than they usually did. But then I get this like sports center update of like, okay, uh, Jose Bautista gets punched in the face by Rudy. And, you, and you're reading that and you're like, what? Like, no way. No way. So then you go back and watch the video and it's like, oh my God, he didn't just punch him. He clocked the hell out of him. I mean, it wasn't even like close. And it's crazy for like a guy like Odor's size. He was like pretty short, right? Like five something, five, six, maybe. Yeah. So he's a pretty short guy, and you see him just bowing up on Jose Batista. I mean, it's pretty impressive. But yeah, oh, it's, it's crazy to see this guy's already five uh, eleven and looks short on TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know he's probably around a lot of tall guys as well, so that probably makes him look shorter. But anyways, to see him cut, like it seems like for a couple of years he was getting ready to be one of the best second basemen in baseball. You know, he had the pop, played decent defense. You know, he just—I was getting the, under the impression that he was going to be around for a long time, but. Uh, I guess the Rangers have other plans. Yeah, and he actually took the spot from Jerks and Profar from the Rangers, too, because Profar, they expected him to become their second baseman of the future. And Odor just came on, burst on the scene, and he was really good. And Profar just kept on getting hurt to the point where they just decided to move on from Profar, and they traded him to Oakland, I believe, and then Oakland traded him to the Padres, and now he's with the Padres for the foreseeable future. And then in more roster updates, Kane Felix was officially cut from this from the Baltimore Orioles. Well cut slash release. He just wanted to move on from the team. He wasn't gonna make the roster anyway because he he got hurt. And then Scott Casimir of the San Francisco Giants was sent to the alternate site after not having a good spring training. And good for him, you know, he's still willing to go to the alternate site after this. Still putting in the work. Gotta respect it. And then Jonathan Lucroy had a good spring training with the White Sox. He batted 3.33, and he's a catcher. And but he's definitely up on his way somewhere else. And maybe even the Yankees, depending on how Higo Shioka does for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, did, did they yeah. uh, bring back Trinos as well? Yeah, but he's out with wrist surgery. I think he's out for five weeks or so. Oh, hmm. actually, not a bad idea then. Yeah, didn't uh, wasn't the Lucroy situation like he knew he wasn't gonna be on the team, so he asked for his release. Yeah, that was his situation. Yeah, because he knew there was he was yeah, gonna find I, another job. So he, and he showed he showed that he had still had um, some time left in the tank. But yeah, and it's like you know you're not gonna bat a play over Yasmani Grandal, you know. Yeah, and then since we're on the White Sox right now, the breaking news that happened at the end of the last episode was Elo Jimenez will be out with a pictorial injury. And that's a big it, blow it's, to it's the White Sox. Brutal. brutal for the White Sox, man. He was going to be a key part of their uh, 
of their eventual AL Central win this year. Yeah, this is a guy who I guess is like a core, is a big centerpiece of that core that's ready to compete now and ready to win. So, you know, when he goes down for as long as he's going to be out, it, they're definitely going to feel it. But hopefully this doesn't really, hopefully they can still find their way to the AL Central win, even without, you know, down Eloy. And hopefully he can come back for October. Maybe just have like a little Kyle Schwarber style run. And, uh, and who knows, maybe the White Sox make it to the World Series. Hopefully. Well, hopefully he comes back for the postseason. What playoffs? Yeah. We'll see how that plans out. You know, um, he's so an exciting he, player, man. Definitely, and he the White Sox stole him from the Cubs too for Jose Quintana. <laughs> yeah, kind of got fleeced on that. Eloy Jimenez, yeah, Jimenez's surgery is actually today, and his recovery will be four to five months. So it's actually not as bad as the original thought. It was, the original was five to six months, but I guess it's now four to five months now. So. We kind of so teased back in September. That puts him August around August. Earliest. Yeah, August, September. All right. So since we teased at the White Sox winning the AL Central, let's go ahead and get into our playoff predictions. All right. Uh, you want to go ahead and lead off here? Sure. All right. So for me, I got the AL Central, the White Sox as well. For the AL East, the Yankees, AL West, Oakland. Who do you got for the divisions? Oh, and then that's an American League. Uh, and then for the National League, I got the Dodgers in the West Coast, the Cardinals, and the Braves. What about you? So we're actually pretty close. Uh, I got the Yankees being my one seed in the AL. I think they're going to have the best record in that, in that league. Um, I got White Sox and for the Central as we've alluded to. And actually, I switched up for the West, and I got the Angels. I think uh, Otani's going to have a big year for them. Trout's going to have a big year. Joe O'Dell's going to have a big year. They've got some pitchers, at least more than they had last year. So I think this is the year they take it to, uh, to October. Uh, from the West, or sorry, for the NL, I have the Dodgers in the West, St. Louis, and Atlanta. Okay, cool. And the Angels actually so just we're, we're made... Pretty, we're pretty close. Yeah, and then the Angels made two small moves last night. They signed Steve Ciszek, the submarine pitcher, and left-handed reliever Tony Watson. Both of them were really good pitchers in their, in their well, Ciszek's still a decent pitcher. Tony Watson was one of the lights-out closers with the Pirates. He's regressed since then, but, you know, it's good moves for the Angels there because they still need to address their bullpen. And, let's, and then for the wild cards, I, like, I, like I have like the Rays. Like what? Oh, like guys like the Tony Watsons and uh, and Steve Ciszek, because to me they're more like outgetters than they are relief pitchers. So like, yeah. I think you know they're the guys that kind of come in for one inning when you have like all righties or all lefties, and can definitely just get you like they're they're just gonna eat innings, you know. So I definitely think it's a good move for uh, for Anaheim. Yeah, and they really need the help with their pitching. I've said that so many times so far in the podcast. <laughs> and I got the Rays against the Blue Jays in the wild card. And then I have the Rays matching up against the White Sox in the division series because I feel like the Central is too weak. It's kind of weak to where the White Sox could easily come out with the best record in the American League. And I feel like the AOEs can be very competitive for the Yankees. And the Yankees, we'll see how their pitching situation pans out and their injury history. I've got the Yankees matching up against Oakland. 
that's my first couple of seeds right there for the division series. And then for the division series on the West Coast, on the NL side, I've got the Mets and the Padres on the wildcard teams with the Padres advancing to face the Dodgers. And then obviously I have the Braves and Cardinals facing each other there. Who do you have winning between Atlanta and St. Louis? I got the Atlanta winning. And then I have have the Padres upsetting the Dodgers. I think we literally have like the same bracket from uh, the NL side. <laughs> yeah, on the NL side, we're definitely we're definitely on the same thing. Except I have St. Louis beating Atlanta, but then I have the Padres beating St. Louis to make the World Series. But on okay. the AL side, I'm with you with the Rays and Blue Jays. I got the White Sox beating the Angels, so then it'd be Yankees and Rays would take on the White Sox. So I would just take the Yankees that series. So Yankees, White Sox, and the ALCS. Yankees take to uh, to the World Series, and we have a Yankees Padres World Series. So, I have the Yankees versus the White Sox, and then I actually have the White Sox advancing against the oh, Padres. Oh, don't say that! I wanted to see it last year. Yeah, that's what I got, man. I wanted to see it last year. Yeah, but I just feel like the Yankees just they don't dress up pretty enough to like too good, and they're really banking on. Tyon and Kluber, in my opinion, a little bit too much. And at the trade deadline, I feel like the Yankees are going to not do anything again and just use Severino coming back and Zach Brain coming back as an excuse to not do anything. But, like, those are pretty big names if they can so, get back and they can perform to, like, to what the expectations are, you know? Yeah, but at the same like, time, you getting know... Getting Luis Severino back is like getting a, a premier starter in a trade. It's like... Yeah, I would say it's it's like getting a uh, what Sonny Gray was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, well, we see Severino's struggle a little bit in the postseason too. So, true, true. And he's coming off of injury, and he hasn't pitched since what twenty end of twenty nineteen, September twenty nineteen. And yeah, he pitched maybe like a, yeah, and he barely pitched in twenty nineteen too because he was dealing with a lat muscle thing, and then eventually he came back to spring training last year and it turned out to be a you need to tell me, John. So yeah, as much as I hate to say it, I got the White Sox beating the Yankees in the ALCS. And then we have White Sox versus Padres World Series. Who do you have winning? Oh, we have the Yankees winning, right? Oh, in a uh, Yankees-Padres World Series? Yeah. I don't know, man. Honestly, like... <sighs> see, the Yankee fan, I mean, of course, wants to say the Yankees are taking this by, and it's not even going to be close. But... uh the realistic baseball fan of me says the Padres, if they make it to the World Series, that means they pretty much perform to expectations. That's a hot team right there. So I, I think the Padres would take that, to be honest with you. I've got the Padres winning World Series, too, against the White Sox. Okay. That's probably yeah. the most entertaining that uh, World Series. Yeah, two teams on the brink of starting their dynasty. I guess you can call it not dynasty, but you know, on the brink of finally... Opening their window. Yeah, I mean, they got a chance for Dynasty, you know? Well, hopefully the White Sox keep spending. Obviously, we can see the Padres are spending now. <laughs> so, yeah, we can see the Dynasty oh, yeah. happening in San Diego. But we just need to hope the White Sox keep spending money. All right, since All right man, did... let's go ahead and close it out with our big predictions for the year, right? Opening day is just a mere two days away. What's Who's going to be the Rookie of the Year? Give me your MVP. Comeback player of the year, uh, as well as a Cy Young. So in the American League, I have Shohei Tani being the MVP. 
this guy can affect the Angels in both two ways, pitching and offense, as we all know. And he's been killer in spring training. And I feel like he has a spotlight on himself. I guess we said we discussed this earlier in an earlier episode about how with Tanaka gone, the spotlight's really going to be on Otani. Otani and you Darvish, but for the most part, it's going to be Otani. And we, re- I really hope we see see him perform to his top capability. So he'll be good for the game. Comeback player of the year, the Yankee fan of me says Gary Sanchez. <laughs> I just want to see him do well, man. In the interview with R2C2, he discussed how he just lets the performance of the pitchers affect him too much. You know, he feels like he's the one on the mound giving up the runs rather than the pitcher it's themselves giving up the runs. So Sabathia gave him great advice saying, Gary, you need to focus on what you can control. Just stop worrying. If you have a bad game, just move on ahead. Get your mindset right. So hopefully what CC says to Gary can, will really help Gary as he makes his comeback this next off this next season. Cy Young, Lucas Giolito for the White Sox. We have the White Sox winning the division. We have them going to the ALCS. Well, we have them going to the World Series. So they need that guy to build around. They need that guy to lead them the way. Rookie of the year, I've got AJ Puck. I might just be a little bit biased being a Gator fan, being a Gator baseball fan. So I got Puck winning the rookie of the year, and I feel like he can. I feel like the Oakland's going to bank on him being one of their better pitchers in the offs in this upcoming season. How about you? What do you got for the American League? Uh, so for the AL, I'm going to go with same team for MVP, but actually just an outfield position to the left of him. Uh, I'm talking Mike Trout out in center field. I think he is going to be, what is that going to be, his third or fourth MVP? Fifth one, maybe? Keep on going, and I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I think you know he's going to get another MVP. This is a guy who's just been the best player in baseball for years to come. And I want to just every year, I want to see him get appreciated for being the best player in baseball because uh, his team does not show him they appreciate him by getting him to October. Yeah, I think Trout's going to be the MVP. When it comes to rookie of the year, uh, I think the AL, the best AL spring chicken this year is going to be Bobby Dahlback for the Red Sox. Uh, absolutely just tearing it up in spring training this year. I think he's got a lot of proof. I think he's going to be uh, the AL rookie of the year. Uh, comeback player of the year, I'm sticking in the AL East, but I'm going over to the Baltimore Orioles with Trey Mancini. I'm coming back from his cancer diagnosis and recovery. Uh, I think a guy like that has to get comeback of the year just for you know his journey getting back to the big leagues. And for the Cy Young, I'm going to go ahead and it may be viewed as a biased take by some, but I'm going to go ahead and pick Garrett Cole. Uh, I think Cole has the potential to be the best pitcher in baseball and rival his crosstown rival. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, but I think Coles kind of just takes it a step further this year in New York. Um, he's got a little bit more depth to him. Be it, there are question marks with guys like Kluber and Tyon, but I think, you know, when Seve comes back, that's going to help his confidence just because like, he knows like that pressure won't all be on him to go out there and throw a complete game shut piece every time he steps on the mound. You know? Yeah. Well, I think Cole really puts it together this year, and I don't know, man. You just have to, you're kind of have to wait and see who's going to be the hot teams and if you know what's keeping those teams hot, and those guys are going to be who we view as MVP or Cy Young candidates at the end of the season. Yeah, and then to bring back to the MVP, it's going to be 
it might be Trout's fourth MVP. So he has three right now, so it'd be his See, fourth. It could be his fourth one. We got, I want to give him seven. If he's not going to get seven uh, World Series rings like Brady, let's at least give him like seven MVPs. MVPs. I think Barry had seven. <laughs> yeah, we got to get Trout seven MVPs. It's kind of funny. Is like the earlier he apparently said that he thinks he's finally going to reach his potential, and people are like, "I was like, oh man, oh, God. it's." It was like they were like, "Oh man, to, looks um, nice to see that he's actually going to become better, like the best player or something like that." <laughs> oh my God! If he's just getting started now, we're in trouble. <laughs> and then he has that um, dad power too now, since he has a son or daughter. Hey, listen, that'll change a man. Let me tell you. That will change, man. <laughs> All right. So then for the I'm National League. So for the National You want to go first on National League? Uh, Yeah, sure. For my MVP, I got Juan Soto from the Washington Nationals. Uh, I think he's like one of the best young players in the game right now. And I think he's a little bit more stable um, and consistent than someone like Tatis at the moment. But, I mean, that's a small sample size with Tatis. But, I mean, Soto is 22 years old. He already has the ring. I would argue he was a pretty good MVP candidate last year. This is a guy that just seems like he's matured through the game of baseball so quickly and at such a young age that I feel like, you know, it's it's time for us as fans to just kind of sit back and watch this dude, you know, put on a show on the field. So I think he goes home with the MVP. For comeback at player of the year, I'm going to go Christian Yelich. I know it might not be your stereotypical comeback player of the year, but, I mean, Yelich is a guy last year who had, uh, I think he had like 200. You know, so, I mean, definitely had a pretty bad year last year. I'd love to see him return to form and um, get back to the Christian Yelich we all know and love. Uh, for Cy Young, I have Jacob deGrom. Although he plays for the Mets, I think he is the best right-handed pitcher in baseball right now. And I think he's going to be a key centerpiece in carrying the Mets to the playoffs along with guys like Lindor. But I think it starts with the rotation. And I think having a horse like that in the bump at the fifth day is definitely going to help the Mets. All right. So for my National League picks, I have Ronald Acuna Jr. as your MVP. Um, this guy, he's very valuable to the Braves. That's why it's most valuable player. <laughs> you know, I think the Braves are ready to like, just like the Whites, just like the White Sox need Lucas Giolito to be their best pitcher. They need somebody to build around in in Ronald Acuna Jr. The Braves need to start. Like we've already seen them, they made it to the NLCS. They lost to the Dodgers. They were on the cusp. They sh- they were on the cusp of winning. But in Acuna, he's very important to that ball club, and I feel like he- they're leaning on him to become their next face of the franchise. And especially since you have that very very underpaid eight year deal that they signed him to. For Cy Young, staying the NL East, staying in New York, Jacob Degrom. There's not much else to say about that guy. He's he's the best pitcher in baseball. I'm ready to say that already. I. He's outgrown Kershaw for me. Come back to the player of the year. I have Mad- Madison Bumgarner. He had a tough year last year in his first year of, with the Diamondbacks. <laughs> he had a tough year last year with the Arizona Diamondbacks and Mad- Madison Bumgarner and in his first year contract. And rookie of the year, I have Ian Anderson, who's going to be part of the Braves rotation. And they need him to get off to a good start with, with the Braves because Mike Soroka is out until late April, early May or so. So they need their rotation. He needs to be stable in the rotation. They did really great signings and getting Charlie Morton back from, well, not back, but bring him back down to the south. 
which is a good good signing for them. You know, the the Braves have a really great roster right now, and I feel like Ian Anderson and Kinnear are going to be their two main guys. Now, was it like if uh, if you if you debuted in twenty twenty since it was a shortened season, do you keep your like rookie eligibility status? Yeah, I, I looked that up actually. So yeah, he has point zero nine four service time. So technically, so technically he hasn't accumulated that one year already yet. So that's why I decided to choose okay. Ian Anderson. He's only started six games too. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, he almost threw no no against the Yankees. Yep. That's why I chose him because I was like looking back at all the players. I'm like, who's that brace pitcher that was made me want to hit my head against the wall or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a fun performance, but I hate to see it happen against us. Yep. So there you have it. You have our award predictions. You have our playoff predictions. You have our roster updates before opening day, which is just one or two days away, depending on when this episode gets published. And the last fun fact that we got is today's the five-year anniversary of what, son? The White Sox, actually, I think, oh no, sorry, Adam LaRoche decided to retire from baseball in the Chicago White Sox because they would not let his son, I think it was be in the clubhouse? Was that the rule? Or like... Being on the field in spring training, like spring training field. That's what it was, okay. Yeah. So he said, nope, I'm good. Walked away from a big chunk of change and, uh, Hung up the spikes. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a fun tidbit that um Sutton brought up, and yeah, Alex was a good ball player for uh, for the Nats for a couple of years. Yeah, he walked away from I thirteen million before. Yeah, I mean, I gotta respect the guy who's putting his kids for thirteen million dollars. Yeah, that guy. That's dad of the year right there. Uh, yeah, dad of the year. That's what I was, that's what I was looking for there. <laughs> All right. So I think that wraps up this episode of the Inside Heater Podcast. Thank you for listening. And again, opening day is here. Opening day is here. Thank God. Yep. All right. So it's good, ap- good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Thank you for listening.